content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. It does matter. And, you know, we continue our conversation with Debarshi talking about his social understandings and some really great things that he has shown in terms of his social growth. So we hope that you enjoy everybody and we'll have a question at the end. So we talked yesterday a little bit about early diagnosis and it it, kind of led to a conversation about you know, helping other kids and and other careers that you might explore. Um, And one of the things that you said that cracked me up because it's so true is you've never done things because they're easy. And Mm -hmm. so I was going to see if you could kind of build, kind of bring all that together for us, the whole piece of early diagnosing, helping others and another possible career. Can you talk about that? Definitely, definitely. So, like I said, I was I was diagnosed with Asperger's in ninth grade. I think people had some suspicions that I had ADHD or ADD back when I was in like fifth grade, but not for Asperger's specifically. I was diagnosed in ninth grade, and that's actually pretty late. It is, and you know, every autistic person is different. You know, we don't necessarily all have the same symptoms. So, a lot of the symptoms that were in other autistic people, I didn't necessarily have, and then in turn. I had certain symptoms that they didn't necessarily have. And so one of the, one of the issues particularly was throughout middle school and very much in high school, even like with that diagnosis, there was this heavy expectation that I should follow social rules and stuff like that. And when that didn't really happen, I'd get punished a lot. And Mm -hmm. so in high school, particularly because I, you know, I got diagnosed in ninth grade you start thinking like, so I'm diagnosed with autism, but I'm still getting punished for things that are socially like related, even though they themselves, you know, the admins have admitted that I'm autistic, you know? Mm -hmm. And then there were other issues like I at the time would threaten suicide a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, at first it was because I wanted that attention Mm-hmm. Later on, uh, in high school, it became because I really did feel that way. Mm-hmm. And into college, I definitely felt like um, we had this garage and I had thoughts of jumping off it, but I never did. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, like, I would get into trouble for that. And, you know, everything was very one sided because all of these other students who I wanted to hang out with, who never hung out with me, said they would. But never did. And uh, I would just get upset, angry, threaten suicide. And then I would be the one in trouble. You know, I felt kind of gaslit at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I still, but um, I, I, ever since uh, college started, I got a lot more help regarding not just my suicidality, but also uh, my anxieties, my anger, etc., etc. And so I, I'm proud to say when I have conflicts like this, one of the things that I've, I've kind of uh, made sure is that I don't threaten suicide. If I feel suicidal, I talk to a couple of trusted people who I stand to gain nothing from. And that sounds weird because like, you know, what my friends, my peers in ninth grade did and what my peers 
did throughout high school that wasn't right. And I'm not trying to condone that, but it's not, it's not right of me to use a manipulative technique mm-hmm. like threatening suicide to get my way as well. Exactly. You know, that is a two wrongs don't make a right. And so what the admins would do is they would actually contact these people who I've had conflicts with and they would encourage them to stay away from me. Mm-hmm. So I felt I was already depressed. I was already uh, isolated. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a recipe for disaster, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, consistently just like expecting me to be better with my social skills, but then <laughs> taking away the social aspect of it completely, you know, not encouraging my peers to be more understanding, to be more patient, you know, that was really, really difficult for me. I would provide instruction to you, you know, on how to, how to navigate this. You know, I mean, you're asking for help basically by, by threatening suicide. You're basically trying to get a message across. And instead of people saying, what's the function of this behavior? You know, why is he engaging in this? And how can we help him achieve that in a, a, you know, an easier way to punish you? You know, I mean, so... There were, there there were, you know, again, there, there were stay away agreements and things that that were not helpful. And Debarshi, you know, coming out of that and and looking at the good side of it, you know, you talked to me yesterday about a young man who's going to come visit with you this week, a friend of yours. And then you just talked about Aaron, who's a friend of yours. And I know that yesterday we spoke about a young lady who was, ish a friend and and you even took responsibility and you said you know to be fair I did yell a lot you know and and she did hang in there for a long time and then she wasn't hanging in there anymore as you got closer to graduation from high school and things like that but you know as uncomfortable and as awful as that whole experience was you have realized and you have been so much more self-aware and cognizant of your, you know, your side of that. Like, you know, like you said, to be fair, it wasn't all her or them. I mean, you did, like you just said. The girl you're referring to was Kathy. She was my best friend in high school. And um, the thing is, she did everything for me that was the exact opposite of what staff recommended. And I was very lucky to have her Mm -hmm. as a friend. But I took that for granted. And uh, talking about you recognize your fault, which is not something that autistic people often do, which is huge. That's huge. Yeah, I think I think it, it, you know, like a few years back, it was very different because like I knew I had fault, but I didn't I I, I, I still thought she shouldn't have left me. And, you know, I I think now I don't blame her for leaving me. Like, I don't think it was the right thing to do, but I think that, you know, it was the best thing for her. And I treated her in such a way that um, I definitely don't think I deserved a stay away agreement for that because I didn't I hurt anybody or yeah, yeah. these stupid ways of handling things that admins come up with don't really help. But what is true is I was really like, I would take out a lot of my issues onto this girl, Kathy, and she was my best friend and she stayed with me for so long until she couldn't anymore. Yeah, and I, I I completely respect that. I completely understand that. And I, if she's listening now, I mean, I still care about her. I still, I, I hope she's at a better place now. Really, and uh, the thing is, there's a lot of wrongs that I've committed in my past, and so 
you just try to move on. And the, 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 the thing is, at the time when admins treated me the way they did, I started feeling like I was a bad person. Mm-hmm. And especially with the autism, that can that can make you very sensitive to things. Oh, absolutely. And, and Debashi, you know, I, I want our listeners to understand, you know, I don't remember when it was, but it has definitely been in the it's been in the last two to three years that you and I had a conversation one day and it was not sounding like this conversation. Right. It was yeah. um, a lot about the wrongs that, you know, you endured. There was a lot about Kathy. There was a lot about, you know, focusing on the good and focusing on the the good things that you have. And it was a struggle for you to do that because you could not. And then I even suggested, Debarcia, you've got to get over it. You have so many great things in your life. And you said, I can't. I can't get over it. Yeah. So to hear you now in just the short time, because a couple of years is not a long time. Oh my gosh, you have come so far. It's been, I I think it may have been before COVID, but it hasn't been long since (laughs) we had that conversation. And to hear you now, I'm hearing a different person and I'm so happy and so proud of you. And that leads me to kind of circling back to you know, you never doing things, you don't do things because they're easy. And you had talked yesterday about, you know, maybe computer programming wasn't going to be your forever career and that you might want to do something different. So can you talk about that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I was a geek when I was young, uh, even if, even though I struggled in classes, unlike most geeks, but, you know, I love messing around with computers, technology and stuff like that. And I've never not wanted to do that. After my experiences with the school system, recognizing that I'm this type of minority, you know, that often we don't really call a minority, but really you know, autistic people, they are in danger to some, at some extent of being mistreated, of oh. being understood, of being uh, neglected. And 100%. We couldn't agree more. Exactly. You know, you you were telling me about that that thing two or three years ago. It was very much about what people did in my past, as well as the fact that after I graduated, the school never really apologized. They never really, you know, did anything to rectify it. That's what it was. That's what it was. (laughs) And and they uh, they I even I even volunteered for something. I, I was doing some lecture for like a computer, uh, a computer science kind of thing for one day, just to tell them what it's like at UT or well, what, what, uh, being a computer science major is like. And, you know, I invested a lot in the kids, but the admins would treat me like the second I went in, they treated me like I was some sort of threat. I remember. And I, and, and they, they tried to get me out of there as fast as possible. And so I felt very disrespected. My, my, my experiences in high school, you know, just led me not to want to go back to sure. that part of my life. And the vast majority of people, including Kathy, and like I said, Kathy has her own reasons and I, I respect that. But the vast majority of people within high school did abandon me after we graduated. And that was hard to take in emotionally. But I think over time, what I realized was we have a serious problem within our education system where only certain types of students are favored. Other types of students don't get the help that they need. 
in my case, being autistic, I was both gifted and talented, and I was also in special ed. And what that would lead me to, in most cases, was nobody really understood where I needed help, and nobody really understood, like, uh, you know, if I if I overperformed or something, you know, there was just this assumption that, you know, I should be able to handle social issues. Right. And because you're so smart, you know, <laughs> and we talk about that. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but Sissy and I talk about it a lot in training where social skills and social understanding has absolutely nothing to do with IQ. You know, look yeah. at Albert Einstein, you know, he had some social deficits as well. And so, you know, people do make that assumption that you're so smart, you must be able to get these social nuances. And like Sissy said, they're so subtle that it requires direct instruction and being diagnosed by the grade of ninth grade. You missed all that. You know, you you missed all that direct instruction that you, you know, how hard is that to do in a junior at a high school where you've got all those credits you have to achieve and all of those classes you have to attend. I remember there was one lady, what was her name, Debarshi, and she taught social skills. Oh, she was an incredible teacher. Her name was uh, Miss Wingard, Debbie Wingard. Yeah. Brilliant teacher. I mean, um, I would say she was one of the people, you see, when I think about school staff, I don't think about her because she, she wasn't staff. She was, uh, she was a social skills teacher. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. At, at first, I thought her class was boring because <laughs> they were going over the theory of social skills. And as somebody who was, quote unquote, higher functioning, I don't like that label, but still. Yeah. But as, as somebody like I know a lot of the social skill theory, but it's the practice that <laughs> is hard for me. You know, practicing yeah. it with peers, dealing mm-hmm. with the fact that a lot of my peers were not my friends, you yeah. know. And dealing with those issues, how do you handle those kind of circumstances? But Miss Wingard, you know, she would actually take me aside and talk to me about these specific issues in my life. So I was very lucky to have her. I was exceptionally you lucky. Were I really loved her a lot. And you know what you just talked about is the whole notion of skill versus performance, right? You know, mm-hmm. if I asked you you know, different thing. What should you say? What should you not say? You could articulate that beautifully. It's the performance, you know, it's that, it's that in the the moment. Well, right. When the girls in in New York city are talking about having sexual, you know, sexual comments and you throw in, it's that performance just breaks down, even though, you know, you know, it's just, it's so crazy to see, you know, I just think about Debarcy and the whole notion of his late diagnosis and things that could have been, different for him, you know, had they caught the autism earlier. And, you know, he talked a lot about being punished for social issues. He talked about threats of suicide for attention. And I didn't say this in the conversation, and I know he won't care when I say it now, but that is why um, I was involved with him. Debarshi was at a residential treatment facility for three years. And when he came back to high school, I was involved as sort of his behavior analyst on call, I guess you could say, you know, and, and the whole idea of jumping off the garage, I'm so, so happy that that didn't happen. And, you know, getting mental health for his anger, for his suicide thoughts, for being able to take responsibility for his actions, you know, the stay away agreement. And I was there and I, I remember the stay away agreements. And then I think what made me so proud was his ability to wish his former friends well and to talk about 
you know, the danger of neglect and misunderstanding and even some of the problems in the educational field um, with kids not getting the help that they need. How, you know, even though he was GT in special ed, you know, nobody really understood how he needed help. And it's uh, his story just continues to blow me away. And I didn't know a lot of what he talked about. I knew a lot of it, but there was a, a lot that I didn't know about. And it just gave me goosebumps talking with him. Yeah, I, I can't imagine where he might be had he gotten intervention early on. Because, I mean, the way he talks about changing his behavior and, you know, allowing his friends to feel the way they want to feel and that he was taking responsibility. If he had had some social skills training in elementary school, a whole lot of those things might never have happened. Um, And so I think that some of our kiddos who need less academic support and more social support are the ones who can frequently fall through the cracks and not get the supports they need till much later. And he is an example of how that can happen. I am so glad that he has things where they are now and he's able to have oh God, shout out life. to his therapist, you know, I mean, shout out to his yeah. mental health professional, um, shout out to uh, Debbie Wingard, the social skills teacher who really took him under his wing. Um, shout out to his mom, you know, just, uh, he's got a little brother who's yeah. very supportive, you know, and, And that whole notion of skill versus performance, like you said, you know, and I love the way he put it when he said, I, I didn't like it. He said it was kind of boring, but I understood the theory behind social skills. It's that performance piece. And even though he was taught it, it was never put into place because of that lack of ability to generalize and transfer skills and all of that. So, Sissy, I thought for a question for today, we could talk about those the stay away agreement. Do you want me to pose the question? Yeah, why don't we do that? So in part of the conversation today, Debarshi talked about a stay away agreement that was implemented at school between him and some other students who were having an altercation. And if we think about a behavioral term, for a stay-away agreement, what would that be? So would it be A, positive punishment, B, negative punishment, C, positive reinforcement, or D, negative reinforcement? So theoretically, behaviorally, when people implement consequences that are designed to decrease behavior, which is what the administrator's intent was, right? They wanted to decrease altercations between Debarshi and whoever that person or people were. And so to do that, they removed the opportunity to have interactions with those people. So with punishment, the P stands for decrease. The negative stands for removing something. So for example, if it were positive punishment, the idea would be to decrease problem behavior. And in order to do that, we would impose detention, right? So you're imposing something to decrease behavior. But in Debarshi's situation, they wanted to decrease behavior. So they removed the opportunity to interact with the peers. It's not a negative reinforcement or a positive reinforcement because the intent was not to increase altercations with his peers. Mm-hmm. So the answer is B, negative punishment. But let me just give a word of caution, Sissy, I'm sure you have some things to say about this as well, is that, you know, what I've seen happen um, is the opposite effect, right? So the intent is to 
decrease the problem behavior by removing interactions with peers. And what I've seen happen in the past is that it actually serves to increase altercations because although there's a stay away agreement, the student might engage in texting or emailing or social media posts or things like that to kind of quote, have the last word end quote. So, you know, be careful with the use of punishment procedures and making sure that it's not going to have the opposite effect because they can be tricky to use. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I would much rather see some kind of differential reinforcement. You know, what is the behavior? What's the alternate behavior we want from him? If, you know, what's the function of the behavior? Was it to be, did he just not know how to interact with those guys? We work on ways to interact with your peers. Um, So, uh, you know, you and I always want to come up with a way to make it to be able to use reinforcement with a kiddo because it's so much more fun to give kids reinforcement than it is to impose a punishment. It is so much easier. You know, if you're a behavior analyst or a teacher or someone who's pretty familiar with behavioral terminology and principles, you know that we really rarely use punishment, particularly in public schools. And the reason for that is because of the requirement for positive behavioral support and being able to, you know, sort of have done everything you can, like exhausted all positive behavioral supports before we go there. And I always find it interesting that administrators don't have that same sort of ethical requirement in terms of best practices. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there are awesome administrators out there, don't get me wrong, Um, but sometimes there are administrators who just want to go there and without having exhausted the positives. And I always find it interesting. It's like stay away agreements, detention and school suspension, out of school suspension. And don't you ever want to say to the administrator, like, so how's that working? (laughs) You know, absolutely. That's like what goes through my head every single time. How's that been working for you? Not? Oh, when? how many times has he been to detention? How many times has he been to in-school suspension or out-of-school suspension? And yet you think one more try at it is going to be the thing that does it. No, no. Yeah, I know. It's like sending kids to the office for being late. Well, they're late for because they didn't want to be there in the first place. (laughs) Great. Send me to the office. I'll hang out here a while till they get a chance to talk to me. No worries. Exactly. Anyway, that was great. I look forward to the final part of our conversation with Debarshi, and I know that our listeners will too. Yeah, he's amazing. Anyway, you guys, as always, thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed it as much as Sissy and I enjoyed having the conversation, and we hope you have a great weekend, and we will have the final episode, and then get ready for a really, really great, happy Christmas surprise. So have a great weekend. As always, we'll talk with you next week. Bye. Bye, guys.